and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. We're talking about four things to soar this year. Four to soar for this year. The first one we talked about last week was fasting. What we're going to talk about this week is prayer. Let's open up our Bibles. If you brought them to the book of John, and we're going to look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse number one. Jesus said this. He said, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, that's, that's me and you. Jesus is the vine. Me and you are the branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, he cuts it, so that it may uh, produce even more fruit. Now, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, watch this, will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. And as a branch, watch this, dries up. Now, let's just stay right here just for a minute on the screens and in your Bibles. Notice he says, if a branch falls off from a tree, what happens to the branch? It dries up. So if it had a flower on it, what happens to the flower? Dries up. If it has an apple on it, what happens to the apple? It dries up. Why? It lost its connection. And so I I, I had this in my heart when I was writing this message. Maybe that's what's happening to you. Is what you're feeling is not necessarily something external, it's internal. You have been drying up. And it's due to the connection. You haven't been connected to the vine. Uh, Jesus is the vine. We are to abide in him. And when we abide in him, Jesus says, you will produce much fruit. If you don't abide in him, he says, you will fill yourself drying up. He keeps going here in verse number seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you wish. Wow. And it will be done for you. Now, that sounds great, but notice the condition, verse 7. If, 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 if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. For my Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus is talking about abiding in him where he is our home. Jesus is our home. Um, Abide in me. 
Um, we abide in things. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's in our tendency to, to create places for ourselves to abide. Even in the Christian church, we want to build churches for us to abide. Many of you, your priority is your, your natural physical home, a place for you to abide. Um, in fact, if you don't have a place to abide, often there's angst in your soul. Or if you feel like the place you're abiding in is about to be taken from you. There's an angst in your soul because we were, get this, we were made to abide. Now, not only does your physical body abide in things, so does your mind and so does your heart. Your affections abide in things. Your affections are in things. Your time is in something. Um, you are, are designed to abide. And so oftentimes what we do is we visit God and abide in everything else. Uh, anybody else like a good hotel? I like a good hotel. Come on, come on. Uh, every, let me see you other camp. Anybody else? Like, I'll take a good hotel. Yes, I, I like a good hotel. And uh, so out of that, somebody says, well, what's a good hotel? A bed that doesn't make me miss mine. <laughs> and a chair and a view. If I've got those three things, it's a good hotel for me. And I enjoy going to see new places. I enjoy going to visit new places. But for me, there's no place like home. And what happens is, is oftentimes, even for us Christians, we visit God and abide in everything else. And what we do at the start of the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting, by the way, it's not just 21 days, it's hopefully going to give you a new lifestyle. What we're doing is confronting what we visit and what we abide. That we say we want to abide in spiritual things and visit natural things. We want to abide in the things of God and we want to visit everything else. That, that we want to abide in him, that he is our home. Um, in the book of Acts, and that's what, you hear me talk about it a lot. I'm going to talk about it even more and more. That's what I want. I, I want a modern-day book of Acts church. In fact, I thought about seriously changing the tagline of the church to that because that's how much I want it. I want a modern-day book of Acts church. I, I want the God of Paul, the God of Peter, the God of James and John, like you heard me pray, the God of Philip, the God of Stephen, to be our God. Like, I want to see him in power. But one of the things that I find very interesting is when these disciples, these people, walk into a court where the Pharisees and the doctors of the law were, they looked at them and they said, we can tell they've been with Jesus. We can tell they've been with Jesus. And you know this with people, you can tell what they've been with. I can tell if you've been with ESPN. What you talk about will notify me. What you're passionate about with will notify me. I, I can tell if you've been uh, with your favorite NCAA football team. I can tell if your affections have been there, if your time has been there, if your mind has been there. Because what you abide with always shows. What you abide in always shows with you. My kids can be around certain people. I know who they've been with. Even if they didn't tell me who they've been with, I'm like, I can tell. Um, you know, you can see what you've been with. And when you've been with Jesus, when you've been with him, it's noticeable. In fact, so noticeable, in Acts chapter 6, they said, go search out people who are filled with the Spirit. How would you even know? Uh, because you can discern it. You can discern what people have been around with. I, I can tell if you've been with Fox News. I can tell if you've abided in CNN. I can tell if you've been around bad news. It'll affect your mood. It'll affect how you talk. Why? Because you were made to abide 
and what you abide in always shows up. And so what we're doing at the start of this year is saying, you know what? I want to prune every single branch in my life that does not profit and deliver. Anything that life is going towards in me that's not producing any fruit, I am done with that branch. I'm fasting. I'm pruning it away. I'm disconnecting from the world and I'm giving myself over to God. I want to abide in him. And it doesn't mean I go to work. I will. And it doesn't mean I don't parent. Of course I do. And it doesn't mean I don't have other hobbies. I do, but I visit those things. I abide in him. He is my home. And so I judge that to start this year and to say, I am done abiding in this and visiting God. I want to abide in God and I want to visit these other things. Now out of that, here's a secret for you. When you do this, Jesus said, you produce much fruit. And when you produce fruit, it's substance for you, but even others to eat off of. If you make your spirituality the number one thing in your life, it affects everything else. Uh, watch this in Timothy. They'll put it up on the screens real quick. First Timothy chapter four and verse eight for bodily discipline, which is, you know, we're all kind of focused on that in the start of the new year for bodily discipline is only of a little profit. Watch this. But godliness is profitable for all things. When you make God your priority, it impacts, profitable means makes grow. It makes everything grow, all things. And so when you place God at the center of what you're doing, it impacts everything. Why? Because what is there that God could not change? What is there that the spirit of the Lord cannot make a difference in? When godliness is your priority and you are are making him your home, it will impact your marriage. It will impact your relationship with your children. It will impact your mind. I guarantee you wisdom is here for Christ has been made unto us wisdom. It will impact what you put your hand to. Joseph was so abiding in God that what he put his hand to prospered. Um, it will impact your, your body. It'll impact everything. There is, it'll impact your, your discipline. Uh, he is the spirit of self-control. Uh, out of this, um, the Holy Spirit will help you be more disciplined in these other things. Godliness is profitable in all things. If you abide in me, Jesus said, you will produce much fruit. He said, in fact, that's your problem. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so out of that, that's what we're doing to start this year. It's like, I am going to make my walk with God my number one priority. I'm going to cut out anything that's competing for him. If it does not profit, if it does not deliver, I don't want it in my life. And I'm going to give myself to the powerful by denying myself the desirable. I'm going to give myself to the powerful by denying myself the desirable. But this is key. This is not talking about like giving up sugar. It's like, I'm on a fast. What are you doing? Not eating sugar. It's like, you know, no, that's dieting. Uh, So like out of that, what we're talking about fasting in this context is, is it's not about emptying and leaving empty. It's about emptying and filling up. And so we're cutting out these other things to give ourselves more towards prayer. We're cutting out these other things to give us more time. Like we said last week, we, we actually want to get to the place where we're, we're something we don't like being. We actually want to get to the place where we are bored. And when you get bored, I want you to take that, that genuinely hunger in you to do something. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. That hunger in you to do something. And I want you to take it to the Lord in prayer. Because there is power in persistent prayer. There is power in persistent prayer. And I want you all this year to become a persistent prayer. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 18, we looked at this uh, last week. Uh, in 1 Kings 18, they'll put it up. Elijah is about to pray. And this is going to teach us a lot about prayer, this passage of scripture. Um, now, uh, Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for it's the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. All right? I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And, and basically what he's saying is, in my heart, I'm hearing God say it's about to rain. And it's about time because rain has not fallen for years. And so at this point, there's not a cloud in the sky, but Elijah has heard something in his heart, and now he is praying from that place. He's praying from a promise. He's praying from a promise. And so he has something in his heart that does not match what he's seeing with his eyes. And so he knows, like, the gap between that is prayer. That faith creates substance to the things my heart hopes for. And so when I have something in my heart that does not match what I see with my eyes, the gap in between those things is prayer. Uh, Creation started this way. When in Genesis, our earth was covered in darkness. Holy Spirit is moving. It was not what God wanted. He had a promise for more. So what did he do? He spoke. And when he spoke, it released the supply of the Spirit to begin forming creation. It's the same thing for you as you're going to have, when you walk with God, all kinds of things that come into your heart, all kinds of exceeding great and precious promises of what you want for you, your life, your job, your health, your kids. It's going to come into your heart. But when it comes into your heart and you want to see it in your life, it must go across the bridge of prayer. And so Elijah gets this in his heart. He tells Ahab, I hear in my heart the sound of an abundance of rain. And so watch what he does. He's, he's about to build a bridge. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. But Elijah, now notice, the, notice once again, thank you, Holy Spirit. I never noticed that before when I was looking at this. Ahab goes to give himself to natural things. But he goes up to give himself to spiritual things. And what we're saying is we're breaking away from natural things because we understand the bridge from what I have in my heart and what I want to see with my eyes is not going to be built apart from prayer. That I will build that. So I'm withdrawing from natural things. Others may, I may not. Others may in this season be able to watch it, I may not. Others may be able to give themselves to it, I may not. Why? There's a bridge that needs to be built. And so Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he crouched down on the earth and put his face in between his knees. He's in a posture of intense, intense prayer. And watch what happens here. He said to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. I I love this because this is what we like to do in prayer, isn't it? It's like, you're praying, you're asking God to do something. And then what do you want to do? It's like, did it work? And you're like, okay, they have a fever and I'm praying that the fever goes. I'm like, put in the thermometer. Did it change? 
Um, you know, you're wanting to see the negative report turn into a positive report. You get a negative report. You pray. You get down on your knees. You ask God to move. You have a promise in your heart. Go look and see if it changed. And so we like, like to do this of like when we have something in our heart, we want to see it change in the natural. And so he sends his servant up to go look to see if it changed in the natural. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Have you ever been there before? Oh, come on now. Have you ever been there before? I know I have. Of like, you've been praying for something. It's like, I know God's moving. And then you go out and look at it. It's like, and there is nothing. <laughs> it's like, you, you're praying for your kids and you're just praying. And then you get the report card and it's like, and there is literally nothing. I'm like, all of those kinds of things. We've all been there before, right? And so what happens is, is oftentimes we pray for, but we don't pray through. We don't have a habit of persistent prayer. And so watch what Elijah does. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, go back seven times. So notice the Bible's kind of paraphrasing here. Elijah keeps praying. When he's done praying, he says, go back. And he climbs up. He's like, nothing. Keeps praying, sends him back up. He's like, what'd you see? He's like, nothing. And this happens seven times. Now, let's just read out the rest of the story, and we'll come back to this, verse 44. And it came about the seventh time, they said, Behold, this is so important, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, so (laughs) that the heavy shower does not stop you. Uh, And so then the rain came. Long story short, the rain comes. Now, here's what I'm about to ask you, and this is what I want to just, you know, meditate on in this message for the time we're together. Why seven times? When he prayed, why did God, who's all-powerful, not move the first time? Why seven times? Now, for many of you, you know um, that in the Bible, the number seven is spiritual. It means the number of completion, the number of perfection. So there is that, you know, it took seven days for creation to be formed. And ever since then, seven has equaled completion um, and that type of thing. So there's that element to it. But I think it's something more than that, is this story is in here to teach us the power of persistent praying. Uh, All throughout scripture, uh, there is teaching on praying with persistence. And you have to keep this in mind. That God is not just interested in changing the thing you're praying for. God is interested in molding and changing you. And so oftentimes when you are taking this posture of humility and dependency upon the Lord, he's not just doing a work for you, he is doing a work in you. And this persistent praying is not just changing the situation. This persistent praying is also developing the heart of the disciple, which in the long run to God is more important than many of the things you're praying for. Um, And so persistent prayer matters and you becoming a persistent prayer matters. Jesus taught on this a lot. Let's look at it. We're in John, go over to Luke and we'll look at two examples in Luke because they're super close to each other. Luke chapter 18 And verse number one, one of my favorite teachings on prayer, Uh, Jesus begins by telling a story, a parable. It's a made up story to illustrate a spiritual truth. And he was telling them a parable, watch this, to show them at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Uh, One translation says that they ought to pray and not be discouraged. Now let's just time out. 
Has that ever happened to you? Um, have you ever, many people here at Lakeland said yes, so I'm assuming at all the other campuses, like, yes, it has happened. I know it's happened to me, is you're praying, and then you don't see what you're praying for, and it's easy for you to be discouraged. It's easy for your heart to become faint, and you lose heart. Another way of saying lose heart is you lose interest. And a lot of times religion doesn't help with this. Uh, it's like, well, it just wasn't God's will. Uh, if he would have done it, he would have done it by now. Um, it's just, it's not to be. It's all in God's timing. You know, all of these types of things. And so we stop. We stop praying. That men, he said, I'm teaching you this parable. Why Jesus? So that you learn to pray and not give up. That you learn to pray and not be discouraged. That you learn to pray and not lose heart. That you don't just pray for something. You pray through something. And so watch what Jesus says here in in the story. There was, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God and did not respect men. And there was a widow in that city, and she, watch this, she kept coming to him. Now, every word Jesus says here is on purpose. She kept coming to him. She would not stop. She kept coming, saying, give me legal protection from my opponent." And for a while, he was unwilling. But afterwards, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, at least he was honest. Yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continual coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, here... What the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring out justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Notice what Jesus said. Hear the unjust judge's words. What were the unjust judge's words? Let's put them up on the screen. What were his words? I think I put them in there. (laughs) The unjust judge's words, because of her continual coming. The unjust judge said, because of her continual coming, I will move in her life. She comes once, avenge me. No, avenge me. No, avenge me. No. And then he goes home and he thinks about it. And she's like, he's like, she will be here tomorrow. Uh, and she proved it. She had been there day and night. Avenge me. And he's like, I'm just going to do what she's asking. Her continual coming. And Jesus said, will you hear his words? Will you hear his words? And then he asked another question at the end. He said, and when I come, will I find faith on the earth? What's he saying? Faith is persistence. I'm not going home without my rain. I heard the sound of an abundance of rain. I know it wasn't me. I know God spoke to me. I know there's nothing in the sky right now, but I am not going home without my rain. I'm going to take a miracle. Father, I thank you. You spoke to me about an abundance of rain. I thank you. I'm going to see an abundance of rain. I'm not going home without it. 
I will see you avenge me. I will see my reign. I will see the thing that I'm praying for. And I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to get discouraged. I know it's not just with faith. I inherit the promises. It's with faith and patience. And I know I don't like patience because I'd really like it right now. But Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Your leadership is perfect. I trust you. I'll be here in the morning. All throughout scripture, you see people who took a miracle. You see people who just made a decision to press after God. You see people who took their hunger for change and took it to the Lord. And I want to encourage you in your life, be a persistent prayer. Jesus went on to teach us uh, again. This was a, a lesson that Jesus kept teaching. So it's one we need to keep hearing. Watch what he said here in Luke 11. And I'll close with this. Luke 11 and verse number one. It happened while Jesus was praying in a certain place. I like that. You ought to get you a place, a certain place to just get before God. And when he had finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, why don't you teach us to pray? John taught his disciples, teach me. And he said unto them, when you pray, Father, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us our daily bread, forgive us of our sins, and we forgive everyone who's indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, suppose, because many people stop there with the Lord's prayer, but he's not done with his teaching. He's like, okay, here's a framework with which to pray. Don't just rush in and ask for things. Begin with praise, hallowed be your name. Um, then go through and list out these things. Don't just pray for daily bread, but ask God to forgive you. Release forgiveness towards someone else. So he gives them a framework in which to pray, but then he's still teaching them how to pray with this next story. And watch what he says here, here. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and he says to him, now watch this, friend, lend me three loaves. Now, once again, Jesus uses the words that he uses for a reason. Um, Do you see how specific his request is? I need three, not five, not two, not one and a half, three. He knew exactly what he needed. And in your life, do you know exactly what you need? Why I'd like better health. What is that exactly? Is it for a number to go up? Is it for a number to go down? If, If so, how high do you want it? How low do you want it? Uh, Somebody says, well, I need God to help me financially. Well, with how much? Get specific with God. I need my three loaves. And so he says, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come and I have nothing to set before him. And from the inside, he answers and says, do not bother me. Do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed and I will not get up and give you anything. Now, God is not saying that's how he feels about you. He is not an unjust judge, and he is not a friend who doesn't want to get out of bed. His point is that if persistence moved a friend who didn't want to get out of bed, and if persistence moved an unjust judge, how much will persistent move the one who loves you so much he died for you? How much more? Um, And so watch what happens here. He says uh, in, in verse number seven, Inside he answers, don't bother me. Door's been shut. Kids are in bed. Cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, he says, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, 
Yet because of his persistence, because of his persistence, because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. What's Jesus saying? Get hungry, get hungry and ask. Be be a woman with an issue of blood who presses through everything to lay hold of me. Take a miracle. Don't just come in with like, oh, we'll pray. And you say a cute little prayer and you make a decision. I'm not going home without my three loaves. I'm not going home without my rain. I'm not going home without my vengeance. Father, I thank you in Jesus name. I'll not go home without it. That you come and you lay hold of the power of God. At our last prayer conference um, in January of last year, it's just such a wonderful time. And I went to bed one night and I had a dream and I saw a relative of ours in a dark room and they were asleep. And I knew this was a spiritual dream and the room was so dark. And day came and it should have been time for them to get out of bed, but they didn't because they couldn't see the light. And it's symbolic of the season of the life had changed, but they were still in the same darkness, even though it wasn't dark anymore. And so I'm seeing this and I see me come in the room and I don't see me wake them up because faith and prayer is not manipulation. You can't force anyone to make a decision. You can't force anyone to come. Like I used to pray a long time ago, Father, make them come to church. Make them come, Father. And then I saw like, that's not scriptural. That's manipulation. Uh, So it's more of like, Father, open up their eyes where they see the need for it. Let them yield to it. Let them see community matters. Let them see your presence matters. Let them see it matters. So out of this, I I didn't in the dream go and like wake them up. I, I went in the dream and I opened up the curtains and opened up the shades and all this light came in the room. And if you've ever been in a room where that happens, where it was pitch black and then suddenly all the light comes on. Uh, It just startles you. And I saw them startled and they were looking to see, do I want to get out of this bed or not? And they made a decision to get up and walk out of that room. And I knew God was telling me, that's that's what I needed to do. That I needed to pray for the light to come on. And so I I told that story. Then my wife came to me. I told it at the prayer conference in one of the days. And my wife came to me. She's like, I had the same thing happen to me. And I asked, I'm like, who was it? And she said who it was. And I'm like, Yes. Uh, And so we knew that's a prayer assignment, but then things get busy and we did pray for, we did pray for, we did pray for. But one of the things as I was preparing my heart for this prayer conference and just asking the Lord, what should I say? The Lord brought me back to that. And he's like, you did pray for, but did you pray through? And I said, Lord, I didn't. They're still in that room. And, and he just stirred my heart to contend for that. And so I'm like, I'm going to write it down. And every day I'm going to look at that and say, God, you showed me that for a reason. God, you gave me that for a reason. I know it's not by mistake. You could have given it to anyone else, but you gave it to me. I'm going to pray it out until I walk it out. I'm going to pray it out until I walk it out. And when you are praying with persistence, you need to know. Sometimes you are praying with persistence to get it in you until you see the miracle inwardly. 
And you're praying that way until it forms in you. And this is what's happening with Elijah. Do you see anything? No. Do you see anything? No. He keeps praying. Finally, the servant comes back. And what does he say? He says, I see something. He's like, what'd you see? I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. Is it the answer? No. If it's an abundance of rain, it's not some tiny tiny cloud in the distance. But immediately, he he shifted in prayer to where it's not forming in him any longer. He was walking in triumphant thanksgiving. It's not his answer yet, but he knows he has his answer. It's not his answer yet, but he knows it's his. And so he shifts and he tells Ahab, you better get ready. That rain is coming. I know it's coming. All he had was a little cloud, but he had it in his heart. And when you pray through, that's what happens. You get it in your heart you know you got it and from that point you do keep praying but you're praying from a place of triumphant thanksgiving because you know the answer is yours you know it's only a matter of time his leadership is perfect and you know he will bring it to pass amen amen let me pray for you today father i thank you in the name of jesus that you teach each and every one of us how to be persistent prayers this year. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that we will learn the art of not just praying for, but we will have the passion to pray through. And Father, we thank you not only do we do this, but Jesus right now is right beside your throne making intercession for us. And so, Father, we thank you that you teach us to be a people of prayer. You teach us to be men and women and sons and daughters who give ourselves to you. Father, we love you today. And we thank you at all of our campuses as we worship and as we praise. That, Father, a heart for prayer like never before is being put in us. That we pray through to victory. We pray through to breakthrough. We pray through to see lives changed, including our own. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's stand our feet at all of our campuses and let's worship the Lord.